A very good morning, family, church, those joining us online. A very good morning to you too. Thank you for taking time to join in for our 10 a.m. hour of worship. Well, today we are celebrating or we are talking about Pledge Sunday. Once a year, the Message Church uh, do have this thing called Pledge Sunday. So inevitably, I have to talk about money, right? But for those a few here in the younger generation, I'm sure when you talk about money, you heard of this YouTuber by the name of Mr. Beast. Right, young people, can you please uh, give me a bit of nod and, you know, 8 a.m. I say Mr. Beast, they all look at me. Is that his surname? You know that, I mean, they didn't say it, but the expression, who is that? Is his surname Beast? What a weird surname. Right, but young people, I assume you know Mr. Beast and who he is. Basically, he's a renowned YouTuber extravagant, you know, often do charitable stunts that captures the attention of millions. His YouTube uh, have millions of subscribers, right, through his unique content. Um, he has gained recognition for being generous because of his act of giving, right? Whether is he giving away stacks of cash, surprising people with life-changing gifts, or supporting various causes. Right? Mr. Beast, indeed, is a well-known figure. In fact, he's so well-known. 13th May, Channel News Asia reported that one Singaporean was among the 10 winners of Mr. Beast's US 10,000 giveaway. Right? So it's part of his campaign where he gave away to five lucky winners who shared his posts on their personal Instagrams, tagged another person in his comment section and followed him on Instagram. Well, it's a various ways of engagement in social media. Right? So whether to subscribe, like, share, comment, uh, he has a big following because of his generous um, ways of giving away money. But to the point that even maybe some people have criticized him, right? Of course, he comes with all these uh, bad comments or negative comments. Even BBC reported in the article, um, Mr. Beast, why has YouTuber faced criticism for blind surgery video? Right, where he has uh, comments that people view that he's used money to gain popularity to gain subscribers. He's not really have that aspect of generosity. But whatever reasons you believe uh, that he has, right? he has the aspect of a bit of radical generosity. Right? He's willing to give away big amounts, big amounts of money at one time. Well, today we also want to talk about radical generosity. And what does the Bible say about radical generosity? To help us define radical generosity, we must first understand that it surpasses the boundaries of ordinary or expected giving. It surpasses the boundaries of ordinary or expected giving. It involves a mindset of abundance and a willingness to sacrificially give something for the benefit of others. Give something for the benefit of others. Well, if you have you're wearing spectacles like me, radical generosity is like donning a pair of special glasses right, that enables us to see the world through a lens of abundance, where we recognize that everything that we possess, right, that we have, we hold, we own, is a blessing that we enjoy and a precious gift given by God to use to bless others. Right, so everything we own, we use, is given by God, we use to bless others. Well, I have a different way of defining it, called the ESV, Emmanuel Singapore version. In your own um, social uh, meetings and gatherings over dinner, right? when you go out, eat dinner with a group of friends or family, do you have one person who always over-order? 
you pass him the menu, right? Uh, never mind, I order, I order, don't bother. Because <laughs> you know, you, this person has a reputation of over-ordering. Have that person in mind? But this person who over-orders will sneakily or like, you know, get away from the table and somehow manage to pay for the bill. Suddenly when it's time to leave, you all stand up and then you, eh, bill pay already. Ah. Right, this person is maybe an analogy or illustration of what it means to be radically generous. He over-orders, pays the bill, and then all of us are pleasantly surprised with him or her. Right, but Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1 to 7 talks about this. Let me read to you the verse, the verses from, chap- from verses 1 to 7. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favour of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he has started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Right, this is the word of the Lord. Come, let's pray. Father, as you search our hearts, help us to connect with you. Help us to listen to you clearly so that our words, our hearts, and our meditation be pleasing to you. So speak to us, Father, individually and corporately so that we are all in tune with you and the Holy Spirit. So hide me behind the cross as I present your word and that your word will sow in the hearts of all who hear them so that we will not just be hearers of the word but doers of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what is this grace of giving? Grace has many dimensions, perspectives, views. But here I'm talking about grace as God's unmerited favour or undeserved kindness extended to you and me. Right? Grace is God's blessing given freely, not because of anything we have done to earn them. It's a gift given to you despite our flaws and weaknesses. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that one may boast. It's a gift of God. Well, to receive this gift of grace, of giving, this grace of giving, to receive this grace of giving, the Corinthians had to have a change of heart. Right, a change of heart to imitate the Macedonians. So what did the Macedonians do? First, the Macedonians gave in the midst of their own affliction and poverty. They gave despite being poor, despite being consumed by their own needs. They chose to give sacrificially above and beyond their own means. Their giving was not burdened by obligation, compulsory, have to give. Instead, they gave out of a willingness, out of joyfulness from the depths of their hearts. 
It is their expression of love for God and fellow believers. In addition, they gave it, they gave as a privilege because they saw giving as a privilege of sharing in this service. So they gave themselves first. First and foremost, they gave themselves for giving other things. I will speak more on this later when we talk about the widow and the two coins. Second, the Macedonians imitated Jesus Christ as their example. Right? Jesus Christ, though rich, became poor for our sake, that through his poverty we might become rich. Well, together with the Corinthians and the Macedonians, when our hearts are changed, we are to imitate Christ. And the main reason why you need to imitate Christ is because we are made in his image. This is a fundamental truth found in the Bible. We are made in the image of God. When we are made in the image of God, what it means is we reflect God's likeness, including His qualities, His attributes. And as when we do so, when we reflect this image, when we reflect these qualities and attributes, what God has given to us as possessions, as time, resource, talents, we are to steward them well. We are to use them wisely. So here when Paul talks about this true radical generosity, when he points us to Jesus, he points us to the ultimate example, one who gave himself for all of us, for you and me. And later as we partake the Holy Communion together, it's a reminder of what Jesus has done for you and for me. He first died for us. He gave it all. He gave it all. So therefore, a reminder for us to imitate imitate our Lord Jesus, our perfect and wonderful example. Third, when our hearts are changed, we must be willing to keep to our word. That's what Paul says. And the key word is being willing. Paul encouraged the Corinthians to follow through on their previous commitment to contribute to the collection for the saints in Jerusalem. And here definitely he emphasized the importance of willing hearts in terms of giving and reminded them that God looks at the willingness and not just the amount. You know, like parents, like children who want presents, whether is it presents on Christmas or on their birthday, or whether they want attention, right, or time from, par- from their parents, we as children of God, we too, we also want blessings and good things. I think there's nothing wrong with these desires. And so there's this wonderful blessing given in the Bible. And let me read to you. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. It says, And God can bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Wonderful blessing, right? Let me read it again, since it's such a wonderful blessing. God can bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. But as wonderful as this blessing is, let's not forget the verse that is before this. Right? Verse 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. What you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Familiar verse? God loves a cheerful giver. After which, talk about the blessings from God. That's in verse 8. So verse 7 and 8, they are connected. Shouldn't see it separately, but they are connected. Therefore, as we give, it's not just giving, but giving is a heart issue. 
the heart issue in us. When we attune our hearts to God, we give sacrificially. We give out of a cheerful spirit and not by obligation. We give because we want to imitate Jesus Christ who first gave himself to us. And we give because we are willing to keep to our word. Moving on, giving is also a way to grow our spiritual relationship with God. Right? Giving is a way to grow our spiritual relationship with God. Let me sum up verse 8 to 11. Paul talks about God that supplies seed to the sower, bread for food. Paul also mentioned God will supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And let me read out point verse 11 to you. You will be enriched in every way so that you'll be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Right, so your generosity results in thanksgiving to God. Here, the Apostle Paul right, reassures the Corinthians of God's abundant blessing. Right? He will give you a bigger store to store your seeds, bigger room to store your bread for food. He will increase your supply, enlarge your harvest. Paul was reminding the Corinthians that you can and you should give generously because you can trust that God will provide your needs. Not just your immediate needs, the needs that are what you see, but He will enlarge it. You can trust Him to enlarge your needs, your, your supply, your storage. Well, it's important to note that when Paul talks about this, he isn't just referring to material wealth. Right? That is part of it, but it's not the only thing that Paul is talking about. Paul is also talking about God's blessing through various forms, such as spiritual, emotional, relational blessings, different aspects of this storage. Furthermore, Paul also talks about generosity through people because he talks about generosity being channeled through him and his companions. He suggests, uh, the, in the, Corinthians suggest, the words of the Corinthians that Paul and his team were given the responsibility to distribute the funds and resources to those in need. So there are people involved. People are needed to be channels of blessings. Right? So you don't expect the money from... After you give, immediately it jumps straight into the hands of the poor, those who are in need. There are people involved in these channels of blessings. But can you imagine those who are so poor Despite being so poor and in need, they still gave to a cause. They still gave to the Lord. And when it's being used as a blessing to those in need, as a recipient of these blessings, how would you feel if you were them? Knowing that people who are also in need gave sacrificially and you are a recipient, it will lead to gratitude. It will lead to giving thanks to the Lord. So we can be generous in all situations, whether we are poor, we are rich, well-to-do, not so well-to-do. We can give. There are different ways to give, which I'll talk about, but there are ways to give. So generosity in all circumstances so that we can share with others and be a blessing. So I put in three Gs, generosity to gratitude and to glory. 
God's glory, not our glory. So when we give, people will be grateful and points to God's glory. So let's remember, let's remember that as we give, God is the ultimate provider, not us. Right? God is the abundant God. God is the God that is overflowing. His, His grace overflow from Him. If His grace did not overflow, you and I might not be standing, sitting here right now. He is an abundant God. He's a generous, radically generous God. And He's our ultimate provider to the point that our needs can be met by Him. And He has the ability to give beyond and above. You know, the name Jehovah Jireh, something familiar to all of us, heard it before. Well, it stems, it, it means God, the Lord will provide. Well, this is taken from the Old Testament story in the Bible, found in Genesis 22, where God tests Abraham's faith by asking him to sacrifice his son Isaac. Familiar story to most? If you're not familiar, this is where God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son, or his son, his beloved son in that sense. Not only son, because Ishmael was before him. His beloved son. But at the point of time when he was asked to sacrifice, God stopped him. And Abraham discovered a ram caught in a ticket to offer as a substitute. Therefore, Abraham called the place the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh as a testimony to God's provision. Well, the name Jehovah Jireh really signifies that God is the ultimate provider, not just in physical needs, but also in all aspects of life. It serves as a reminder that God sees and meets the needs of His people, often in unexpected ways, just like Abraham and Isaac. Unexpected ways. And this is where I got a short story where I felt God's love, generosity in an unexpected manner. Before I got married, as I was preparing my marriage, I just graduated from Bible school back then, working in my home church. Didn't have a lot of savings, right? But wedding is an expensive event. Expensive event, huh? There is deposits to pay, right? You book wedding gown, you book food, and things like that. There is deposits to pay. So there is not enough cash to pay for that. Only way I can solve this problem is to pray. Get on my knees and pray. I didn't spoke to anybody, not even my parents, uh, about this matter, not even to my, uh, my wife back then, right? Pray about it. And lo and behold, my family, my, my relatives, my close friends, they gave their ampau first. Instead of on the day itself, whether it's through a tea ceremony or through the, um, wedding, the church wedding event itself, they gave the ampau first before the wedding did. And that helped me tie through the cash flow problems. Right, so after I received um, the wedding umpals, I managed to pay off all the expenditure. And by the grace of God, a little bit extra to go on a honeymoon, small little honeymoon. So God, basically the story is God gives in unexpected ways that I did not expect people to give earlier. Right? I didn't know whether it's a culture back then, is it a norm. I didn't expect it. I expect something else maybe. Right? But God gives in unexpected ways. But in that process, in the process of relying on God, it grows and deepens my relationship with Him. Because I have to count on Him. To rely on Him. I have to trust Him. If He says that, you know, to walk 
into this marriage, He will be my ultimate provider. And that helps me grow my relationship with Him. And I pray that all of us, as we learn to give generously, we learn to grow our spiritual relationship with God because we learn to trust and lean on God as our ultimate provider. And when it talks about spiritual relationship, growing in our spiritual relationship, we as pastors, cell leaders, we can teach you, we can hold your hand for a little bit, but we can never replace you. You are the ultimate factor to grow your relationship with God. You are the one who have to take ownership to deepen your relationship with God, to spend time with Him, to be more intimate, to open yourself to the Lord, to allow Him to speak to you so that you and Him can have a deeper and more intimate relationship. So let me move to the story of the widow and the two coins, right? Uh, this, past, this story is really short, four verses. Very familiar to some of us who have grown up in Sunday school. Four verses found in two books, Mark and Luke. And let me read to you the account found in Mark chapter 12, verse 41 to 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but the poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Well, this story signifies Jesus' understanding of true generosity. Right? Jesus teaches that giving is not measured by the amount given, but by the heart and sacrifice behind it, by the heart and sacrifice behind it. The two small coins which I have here, I found the biggest coin in our Singapore currency, 50 cents. uh. I got no two five cents, so 50 cents will do. One new, one old, so there's only two I can find in my wallet. Well, these two small coins might seem insignificant in in worldly terms, but they held great value in the eyes of Jesus because they represented the widow's whole livelihood. We represented her sacrificial giving and that deep trust of God's provision. And she was definitely willing to give selflessly. At the recent church camp, for those who went, Joseph Chen also showed two coins. Right? If you remember the analogy, the illustration that he used, put two coins, and these two coins, when you place it right in front of your eyes, is able to block your view or majority of your view from the rest of the world or whatever you can see. Right? Clearly, when he talked about it, it wasn't on about money. Today, if I can flip the analogy and say, what if you take these two small coins? Right? To Jesus, it means the world to him. To Jesus, your two small coins, your talents, your time, your sacrifice, your money, these two small coins, if he will bring it really close to his eyes because it means the world to him. He looks at it from a different light from us. These two small coins, when you allow Jesus to use it, it becomes the five loaves and two fishes. He can multiply your two small coins when you bring it right at his eyes. You offer it to him. Allow him to use it and multiply it. 
And that brings us to our attitude, right? Towards giving. It's not about the amount, the attitude. It encourages us and reminds us to give sacrificially, sincerely. Not focus on the outward appearance, the amount, but it focus on the inward, where our motives and the intention of giving matters to God more than the amount. Because God honors our true, sacrificial, radical generosity. And here I don't just only mean money. Money is definitely one aspect of it. But there are other ways to show our love, trust and dedication to the Lord. As we learn to trust Him as our provider, as our hearts are changed, aligned to Him, as we want to intentionally grow this intimate relationship with the Lord, is more than just money. So allow me to borrow from Gary Chapman five love languages. This is the picture in front of you. Various ways we can show our love. One, of course, we can give our time. We can pledge our time to Him. Usually for money, we ask to pledge 10% as the base. If you can pledge 10% of our time, 2.4 hours in a day, friends and family, that is a lot of time. Even for a pastor working full-time, 2.4 hours in a day is a lot of time. Of course, I'm not asking you to spend one at one sitting 2.4 hours, but various times in a day, can you set aside time to have a conversation with Him, to pray, to worship, to listen to Christian songs, to worship in the car, on your commute, various ways to engage and spend time with the Lord. As you pray during this time, times with the Lord, would you be open? Will you share honestly of your struggles, of your joys, of your love to our Lord? Can you give in areas of service? You might think your talent is, or your area of service is not relevant. Might not be in church, might be in your workplace, in your homes with your neighbors. Of course, church, we have various areas of ministry that we do need help. But in your own life, can you serve Him? Serve Him out of your love for Him. Serve Him also in areas that you're not comfortable with. Why I ask that you serve in areas that are not comfortable is because when you serve in areas that you're not comfortable in, you rely more on God. You run to Him and say, Lord, I do not know how to handle this situation. Can you help me? And through that process, you grow in your relationship with Him. You grow in your conversation and intimacy with God when you rely more on Him. Can I still have the slide up for the picture, please? In church camp, we talk about physical touch. Many times in our outreach during the, to our beneficiaries and the people during church camp, they are unable to communicate back to us. So it's not that we can have a, a conversation. They are unable to communicate to us. Our people went there and simply hold their hand. Just the act of holding their hands brings them comfort, brings them assurance that hey, they are still valued. People are sitting beside them for a long period of time. Adeline was just sharing with me that she spent 25 to 30 minutes just holding one person's hand. That speaks volumes. 
to a person who is unable to communicate, holding one's hand. So can we really be so radical in our giving, in our love, whether it's through acts of service, words of affirmation, encouragement, whether it's our time, or whether it's by giving gifts, or whether it's by physical touch. Well, I pray that the Lord convicts you, the Lord grows a hunger and desire in you to, for your hearts to be aligned to Him, to hear Him so clearly. And when you obey Him, when you move out in faith, your relationship with Him will grow, deepen, and you'll be, have an intimate relationship with Him. So come, let us ask God for help as we could turn to Him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you individually and corporately. Lord, we just want to hear your heart. We ask that you align our hearts to you and you alone, Lord. Not to our own voices, not to the evil one, but Lord, you align our hearts and our spirit to you. That we can hear you so clearly. That out of this heart of willingness, of cheerfulness, joy, peace, and assurance, Lord, will we find comfort in giving sacrificially to you. That our giving is so radical, abundant, because we trust in you completely. That we as your children made in your image, that Lord, we will step forth knowing that you hold our hand as a father, as a loving father, Every step of the way, Lord, you're holding our hand. And Lord, this relationship of a father and child, father and son, father and daughter, Lord, will grow from strength to strength, be so deep, so rich, so close that we can come before you to have an honest and open conversation. That we come before you saying sorry and know that you have forgiven us. So Father, as we talk about Pledge Sunday, it's more than just money. It's our whole being that we offer to you. It's our whole life that we offer to you. And we pledge our life before you. And we give ourselves first and foremost to you, Lord. So help us, Lord, once again, to not just be hearers of your word, but be doers of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.